Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Doctor and Duo podcast, uh, a podcast where we, we give advice for the average pre-med, uh, form formerly average pre-meds. Uh, my name is Eleni, uh, and I am now in MS2 at Penn State College of Medicine. Um, as a reminder, I don't speak on behalf of my institution, I only speak for myself. Yeah, hey everyone, I'm Noah, also a newly crowned second year medical student, and like Eleni, I speak for myself and not my medical school. Great. Well, today's topic is going to be pretty short and sweet. Uh, I know a lot of MS1s have this question kind of as they uh, enter uh, the summer, fall semester, which is how do I find mentorship and how do I find clinical opportunities? Yeah, we figured this is um, a good point in the year as first years are getting ready to start school. And um, one of the burning questions that you probably have is how do I get involved? I want to start seeing patients as soon as possible. Um, so part of it will be determined um on your curriculum and what your school has laid out for you. But I think one of the better ways to get involved is also just reach out to mentors in the specialty that you're potentially um, considering and set up shadowing. And I think it's a great way to um, see patients and get your feet wet before you actually start interviewing, taking histories and doing physicals. And um, it's a great way to learn. And yeah, let's see what Eleni has to say. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, one thing I don't know about you, but one thing that I really noticed that was kind of a differentiator uh, in medical school versus uh, undergrad was that there's a lot more shadowing opportunities that are open to you uh, comparatively. Because I see, I remember when I was an undergrad, I would email a lot of people and I wouldn't get a lot of responses in terms of shadowing. And now that I'm a med student, I can kind of basically shoot any attending an email and say, hey, I'm a med student. I want to shadow in this specialty. And uh, they're usually more than willing. Yeah, they are. And I, I don't think I've even had an attending say no, just more of like, what's a better time to give you a, to give you some perspective. And the best part about being a medical student is almost every specialty is available. So maybe an undergrad, like probably primary care was some, was accessible, or maybe some subspecialties like Durham or ophthalmology, but especially for the surgical subspecialties and psychiatry, those are kind of opened up more. And those are, um, I think I would take your first year to just explore, see different things, things that you're interested in and things that you might not see again. Like I shadowed in ophthalmology and Eleni knows this, but in medical school, you don't really get a lot of exposure to ophthalmology. So I think it was cool to just see it. And, you know, even if you don't like it, at least, you know, it's something that's not worth considering anymore and you can focus your time on other specialties. Yeah. And, and I would also like, I, I totally want to echo that is, um, you know, shadow things outside of what you think you want to do. Um, so, you know, I came into med school pretty sad in OBGYN, and in a lot of ways I still am. Um, but one of my uh, attendings, the one who teaches us clinical skills, she came up to me and said, I think you're going to be a neurologist. And I said, get out of here. <laughs> like, no way. I mean, I didn't say that, but I thought that. Um, and I was, I was like, no way. Neurology? Because in my head, you know, I, I only had emergency room experience. So I was thinking strokes, really strokes and seizures, uh, which in a lot of ways is the bread and butter of neurology, but there's a lot more than that. And I actually ended up shadowing a neuromuscular attending and had a really, really uh, great time working with him. And I ended up getting several research projects, um, you know, out of that. So I'm, I, I'm not entirely certain if neurology is going to be my career, but I think it's been a really, really good experience for me because it's not something that I would have gotten a lot of exposure to. And I don't think it's a core rotation either. I don't know if it is for you all, Noah. 
Yeah. So neurology for us is a core rotation that's shorter than all the others. It's three weeks, but okay. I will say that neuro also wasn't um, really something on my radar. I was a psychology major in undergrad, so I came in more towards psychiatry. And I was pleasantly surprised by neurology. I set up um, an outpatient shadowing rotation all on my own. And like Eleni, my idea of neurology was like strokes. But um, especially in outpatient neurology, it's a lot more varied. You see migraines, hydrocephalus, um, MS is common in young women, for instance. So I think it was really nice to see that breadth and to see a diverse uh, patient experiences. And you get to see um, one of the things is um, the people in your medical school are designated clinical educators. They have a specific way that they want to teach you. One of the cool things is when you start going outside of the academic sphere, you get to see people do things in a slightly different way than what you were taught. And you just get different perspectives. And I think it's really good. And it contributes to, you know, your own education in a different way. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that kind of, you know, transition as well into the mentoring part, but I, I do want to, you know, bring up about shadowing is that I recommend shadowing in your first year simply because nobody's going to expect you to know anything. Um, so, you know, when you get into your rotations and that type of thing, uh, there will be a certain aspect of pimping, which for the uninitiated is when uh, attendings and residents ask you very, very difficult questions and you may or may not make a fool out of yourself. And, and the hope is, is that your school does not uh, have that type of culture. Um, but, you know, it, it might happen. And even if it's not intentional, um, you know, you may feel badly if you don't know the answer to something. And so M1 is a really great time to explore things consequence-free, right? You know, the attending on the M3 rotation might say, hey, why do you not understand, you know, X, Y, Z about pericarditis? Whereas if I'm an M1, I say, what's pericarditis? And they're happy to explain it to me. Yeah, I will add that that's one of the beauties of being a first-year medical student is shadowing is actually just shadowing. You get to see the doctor from start to finish, um, take their history, do their physical. And if you're lucky, they'll even sit you down like they would a resident and go over like a differential and a treatment plan. And and that's just so helpful as like somebody beginning in medicine, because one of the hardest parts of coming into medical school is thinking like a doctor. And um, to be able to see that multiple times over and over again, even outside of your designated curriculum, I know Eleni and I just can't stress this enough, is just to get that exposure and to see it and to and to truly enjoy it because for the rest of your medical career you're going to be the one taking the history you're going to be the one taking the physical you're going to be the one coming up with an, with an initial differential and treatment plan and presenting that to your attending so to do that was zero expectations um you know it's just it's truly a blessing that's <laughs> all i can say yeah they, they take you seriously when you're an undergrad they don't take you seriously you know, as, as a med student, it, it's nice to kind of be asked and to be guided through uh, a lot of important clinical processes. But yeah, uh, you know, my, my question of first year is, is always, I guess not always, but because I've only been a second year for a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, how do you know that you want to do something if you've never done it, right? Um, and especially when you're choosing something, you like, think about this, or for a minute is that Noah and I will be 25 when we pick what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. In, in a way, we're picking what we're doing for the rest of our lives already now at the age of 23. So you got to be very discerning with that. 
and you have to kind of follow those physicians, ask them about the lifestyle, really see what they do on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure you like it. Yeah, the other part that uh, Eleni brought up that I'll just touch on um, that's really helpful is even outside of shadowing, um, and you won't really have a time for this in third year when you're in emergency medicine, for instance, and you need to help that patient right then and there. Um, one of the things that's nice about um, M1 shadowing is you can really take the time with an attending and talk about those things like career, lifestyle, research opportunities, and get that perspective upon building your career and where you want to take it. And um, a lot of people, you know, they just don't have the time for that third year. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that we were going to segue into mentorship like 10 minutes ago, and uh, we didn't end up doing it. Um, but uh, why don't we segue into mentorship? Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the mentors that, that we've kind of discovered along the way. But um, at, least, at least for me, I think the big thing is not being afraid to reach out um, because I don't know how it is for you all, but Penn State's a little bit bigger of a medical school. It's on the bigger side. And so for us, you know, there's a lot of students and there's a lot of opportunities, but you have to be willing to reach out um, and find those. They're not going to come to you. Um, and what I found is that a lot of attendings are very willing to mentor you, but you do have to reach out to them. Yeah, I found that to be the case to give um, some perspective to students. Mayo Clinic is literally about their medical school is about a fifth of the size of Penn State. So um while there isn't as much attention on the medical school, Mayo Clinic is a huge clinical enterprise with lots of doctors and attendings willing to be uh, mentors to you. But like Eleni said, um, I had to seek those out, build those connections. And if you're afraid of doing so, like just de novo, and sorry if you can hear the fireworks in the background, we're recording this the day before July 4th. <laughs> um, but um, if you're scared of just reaching out, I think one of the useful tips that you can do is as you encounter a given uh, organ system in medical school, the attendings who teach those course know people all throughout the department, and they're very much willing to put you into contact with somebody who, say you want to shadow neuromuscular or some aspect of psychiatry or this aspect of OB, and they can match your interests and target you to specific people. So at least you're not like looking somebody up on a website and you don't know if they're if they've had experience teaching medical students or if that's something that they'd be interested in doing. So that's something that I would recommend. Yeah. Um, also like going to interest groups events. So like I found a lot of my mentorship uh, through interest groups, um, like especially if there's like research mixers or that type of thing um, where like attendings come with their projects and they were looking for students because that's a great way to find a mentor um, as well. We'll have an episode solely dedicated to research but uh, the way that I met one of my first mentors here at Penn State was actually through the neurology shadowing that I mentioned. Um, it was that attending. Um, and he was very willing to talk to me about everything. Like he he was very open, you know, about his salary, about what residency was like for him. He actually did his fellowship at UVA, um, you know, what family life was like for him. So he was very willing to answer all those questions for me. And he was actually willing to talk to me about potentially doing OB as well. So like, don't, feel like just because you found a mentor or one thing, you, that's the only thing you can talk to them about. Um, I've talked to nephrologists about doing OB. I've talked to, you know, a wide variety of people and everybody has their own perspective. And that's very nice. Find someone who's willing to invest in you. It doesn't matter necessarily, you know, what field they're in. It would be nice if it's closer to what you want to do. Um, but 
ultimately it's about someone who can help you get those opportunities and give you the confidence to reach out for them. Yeah, um, I think Eleni is definitely right about that. And I'll also just kind of touch on the fact um, one of the common questions that you'll encounter, even as a first year of an attending will ask you, what do you want to do? Like what specialty? Like I got asked that from like day one and I still get asked it now. Every time you see a new attending, they're like, what are you interested in? And a lot of people get kind of hesitant. They're like, oh, do I say the specialty that like I'm shouting right now? Say you're an OB. You're like, man, I just want to do OB. Or another common answer is, I don't know. I'm still deciding. And while those are perfectly valid answers, you know, I would give a take of be honest. And if let's say you're interested in neurology and you're on OB, I think you can say that. And I think um, good attendings will find ways to connect the specialties. When I was shadowing in neurology, I saw a patient with MS and they had unique concerns about their, um, you know, whether to have children or not and um, how to plan that going forward. So like it was a combination of neurology and OB. Never thought I would see that. I was like neuros, neuro, OBs, OB, but specialties connect in different ways that you might not always recognize. And sometimes like it's kind of cool to see, see those connections mm -hmm. and good attendings will bring those out and connect things to your interest, even if you're not necessarily in that um, specialties domain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have any mentors in, in particular that you can think of, Noah? And yeah. how you met them? Um, so as far as like um, clinical mentors, a lot of them have come from like the preclinical courses. Um, Dr. Leap is uh, a neurology faculty member here and she was wonderful. Um, Dr. Kung um, in his research lab and he's a psychiatrist and he's been great as well. So those are just some of the connections that I formed along the way. Um, what about you? Do you have anybody in particular? Yeah, like I mentioned that neurology attending, I've had several neurology attendings actually who have been uh, really awesome. There was one family medicine attending as well. So um, Penn State had a very interesting uh, OB shadowing policy for, for quite a while um, that just limits student shadowing. And that's just because of limited space and COVID and all that stuff. So a lot of kind of things going on, but um, I did manage to get an LMD in like October of my first year, September, October, something like that. Um, and I actually did it through family medicine and um, I found that mentor and, I, and you know, apparently he was actually the one who presented my application to the committee, which, which was crazy. Like he knew my application when I talked to him about it. Um, so he's the reason why I'm here, but I found him through, uh, we have a big little program. Do you guys have that as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, use your big, that's a big thing. Um, but I found him like my big recommended him to me and that was a really good experience um, for me. Uh, but yeah, use your big, um, do not be afraid to ask M2's questions. Um, and I think we can talk a little bit more about that once we get through our attending mentors. Do you have anything else to add Noah? No, yeah, not about attending mentors. Um, like Delaney said, um, not even necessarily um, your big, even though that is a um, something that we do have at Mayo. Um, we call it like our med-sed pairing. Um, but I think upperclassmen just in general are always a valuable resource and to connect um, with them about, about certain things. And that's what I would do to make sure you take advantage of upperclassmen. Yeah, um, I think upperclassmen were probably the biggest help for me um, personally, uh, at least in terms of like personal success, how to study, 
um, how to like they were very uh, willing. I I don't think I met any upperclassmen that were just like not cool or not willing to talk to you about it and give you at least some advice. Um, but listen to them is my advice uh, because they will warn you about things. So they warned us that cardio rest, which is our cardio pulmonary unit here and uh, musculoskeletal or form and function were going to be brutal. And they were right. And I was glad I listened to them and I took their advice because I think it it didn't make the blocks easy, but it made my life easier in the long run because I was prepping for it. Yeah, echo, echo that a, a thousand percent. Um, listen to what upper years they are difficult attendings to work with. Um, good research intending to have good research productivity, et cetera. Um, just a fantastic resource all around. And every medical student, you know, we're, we're all looking out for each other. Nobody really wants to screw anyone over. So I think it, it it's wise to, to listen to those. But I think um, one thing that's interesting about clinical opportunities, especially in first year, is a lot of medical schools are starting to integrate clinical activities throughout even first and second year for a lot of people, you know, um, for a lot of doctors in the previous generation, it was literally books and then you hit the wards like without ever having seen a patient. Um, so now that's different nowadays. So I think um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what our respective schools do as, for, as far as getting us engaged in the clinic. So I was gonna give Eleni a chance to go first and then I'll go about how Penn State got its students involved in patient care. Yeah, so we're, so we're actually, uh... Uh, learning clinical skills from the first week. Um, so we have a foundations of uh, patient-centered care class that happens mostly every week, but not not really in the first semester. It's kind of weird. Um, it's like once or twice a month in the first semester, and then it's every week in the second semester. Uh, but they teach you different physical exam skills. Uh, they hire standardized patients. That's pretty standard for everywhere. Um, and they allow you to practice those clinical skills. And we also have required uh, clinical days where we accompany our attending uh, who teaches us uh, and kind of guides us through the physical exam with real patients uh, in their clinics. Um, so that's kind of like the sanctioned clinical skills. And then, of course, there's the 8 million events that interest groups throw. So I'm part of a couple uh, interest groups. I'm part of a couple volunteer orgs. I have seen real patients. I have counseled real patients about diabetes, uh, you know, different, different uh, concerns, women's health. Um, so there's been a lot of opportunities to volunteer and be out in the community, um, as well as work through interest groups outside of just our sanctioned like clinic time, this is required. So I would say I was seeing patients at least once or twice a week. And then on top of that, we also have special like classes called patient navigation and that type of thing. So I was, I was seeing patients almost every day in my first year, I would say. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, Mayo is kind of the same thing. We also, we call it FRAMES. It sounds for foundations of something. Nobody knows the acronym. Um, but as part of our FRAMES curriculum, um, it used to be called basic doctoring, but now it's the FRAMES curriculum. And it's basically one of Lenny said, it's how to take a history. You know, what, what comprises a good history? Um, you learn different physical exams and we pieced it up like cardiac and lung and then abdominal, um, pelvic, et cetera and learning all those skills. And they hired SP, standardized patients or SPs, just like Aleni did. We have a simulation center. Um, one of the things that was super cool that we got to do is during our organ blocks, they focused our clinical activities 
with standardized patients around those organ blocks. So say I was in cardio, we would have simulation center activities where somebody presents with shortness of breath. And then, you know, you go in and you do a history and physical and you come up with a differential. And with Palm, it's sort of like the same thing. Um, so, so those have been nice. The other thing is uh, Mayo is known for its sub, 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 sub specialty care. But one of the things that people don't realize, especially at the medical school level, they're very focused on primary care. And um, every couple of weeks we're in Baldwin building, which is their community internal medicine. And I'm the one actually taking a history, doing a physical and presenting just like I would in third year. And then um, I'm sure Lenny's also participated. I know um, Penn State has a free clinic, but Mayo Clinic also has um, a free clinic. And we do that about um, once a month and we provide care to um, our low um, resources individuals. And, and that's been great for learning as well. You get to see what traditional primary care, you see the diabetes, you see the hypertension, you see um, women's and men's health. And those have just been very instrumental to your learning. And you start learning and thinking like a doctor in your first year. So then it's not such a shock when you get to third year. Yeah. Um, that sounds, that sounds like, I, it sounds pretty similar to what we've already been doing. Um, have you guys had OSCEs as well? Yeah, we're going to, I think, I believe we're going to start our, like, um, our OSCEs. And for those of you who don't know, like an OSCE is sort of like a standardized patient encounter. Um, I don't know if Penn State grades you on them, but I think it's like pass fail for us too. But um, we're going to start doing those in the next month or so where we're officially observed as we take a history and physical and formally evaluated because right now it's been up to every attending, but this is sort of like an official med school checkup of where you are as far as your, your doctoring skills. Yes. Um, and so I, I forgot what it stood for OSCE. It stands for objective structured clinical examination. So I've had two OSCEs at this point. I've actually had four, two of which were practice and were like not real, but set up like they were real, if that makes sense. Um, and then two that were actually real. Um, and that's where like you get your clinical skills assessed. So Penn State, they do that at the end of the year for us, um, at kind of a crazy time. Um, but basically our first one was observed with an attending in the room. It was a very focused examination. So patient had a chief complaint. This is what we came in for, yada, yada, yada. And you have to hit certain points on the physical examination and on your differential uh, in your presentation, all that good stuff. And then the second one was unobserved. Uh, we were filmed, which was an interesting experience. Um, and we saw a patient, like a new general patient and like a general head to toe physical exam. So um, yeah, good luck on your OSCEs coming up. Um, hopefully those go well, but I think we should probably, we'll probably make an episode um, in, in the coming months about OSCEs once Noah is done with his. Um, but that's something you have to look forward to. Yeah. And just um, one of the things, and I don't know how you felt about um, OSCEs. I mean, I've had a couple of simulation center activities that weren't officially graded, but one of the things, and we'll, and we'll talk about it more in our official episode on them, but one of the things that's definitely weird and takes some getting used to is I'm definitely a person where if I'm not being watched, I feel a lot better because it feel, it, it's, it's authentic and I can form a genuine connection with that person. And OSCEs are hard because they feel, they feel fake, <laughs> but it's meant to it's an artificial environment. So I think that's just an additional challenge with, with OSCEs. All right. Well, I think we talked about everything we wanted to go talk about. So we talked about shadowing, we talked about mentorship, you know, from both attendings and from fellow students. 
Uh, we talked a little bit about clinical exposure and what to expect in your first year as well as examinations. Do you have anything else to add, Noah? Yeah, no, I think we did a good job of covering everything. I would just say come into medical school with an open mind. I know a lot of people come in um, with a certain specialty in mind, and that's perfectly fine. You might end up in that specialty. But I think it's especially important to lean into your organ systems, um, give everything a fair shot, and listen to your attendings' feedback and constructive criticism. And, you know, you'll do great. First year is really about a time where you're just learning how to swim. And, um, you know, it's a fun time. I thought first year was enjoyable. It was hectic and crazy, but, you know, patient encounters are what we come to medical school for. And, you know, just enjoy it before all the pressure's on in third and fourth year. Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening to the Doctor and Duo podcast, as always, or if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or if you found it helpful, um, please smash that follow, like, subscribe, whatever po um, platform of your choice may have. Uh, that helps us a lot. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you guys next month. Thank you so much. Yeah.